Hey friends, this is Andy Storch, and I'm excited to announce that we are bringing the Talent Development Think Tank Conference back on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. Yes, you might remember we hosted this conference for the first time in January 2020, and it was a huge hit with everyone telling us it was the best conference they ever attended. And of course, we were looking forward to running it again in 2021 until the pandemic hit. That's when I launched the Talent Development Think Tank membership community, and that's been going strong since May of 2020. But I know how valuable it is to get people together in person, and that's why we are excited to be bringing the conference back again on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. I'm committed to making this a highly engaging and interactive event where you can connect, learn, and grow together with other talent development professionals. This is going to be the best event out there in talent development, and I would love to see you there. If you want to find more information and get your tickets today, the website is tdtt.us conference. That's tdtt.us slash conference. I hope to see you there. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat, a show where I interview business executives, talent development professionals, and thought leaders to find out what has been successful and challenging in the world of talent development. My objective is to share ideas, valuable lessons, tools, advice, and trends. My hope is that all of this will ultimately help you, the listener, expand your knowledge, grow your career, and accelerate your success as a talent development professional. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Talent Development Hot Seat. I am your host, Andy Storch, and I am excited that you are joining me today for an interview with my friend, Scott Luberto. And Scott is the technical training manager for Luck Companies, one of the nation's largest family-owned and operating businesses in the aggregates industry. Scott's mission is to help ordinary people lead extraordinary lives, and his team has solved the challenge of developing and retaining talent by using data-driven development through the use of skill-based 360s and it's something that I think a lot of people might be interested in. And so I'm excited to have you on today. Scott, welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat. Thanks. I'm excited to be a part of it today. Yeah, this is cool. We connected a while back uh, through some friends. And uh, you showed me a little bit about what you've been doing with those data-driven, you know, skill-based 360s. And I know you are big on helping people identify where to focus their development efforts using data personalizing learning and measuring effectiveness over time. And I think that as I go to conferences and talk to different talent professionals um, and people across different industries, everybody's big on helping their people learn and develop and you know create that great career path. But I think a lot of people are still struggling with how do I leverage data? How do I know that I'm sending people in the right direction and giving them the right development versus just making recommendations that may or may not stick, right? And this is where you've been spending a lot of your time, right? Yeah, absolutely. Cool. If you work in talent development, you know that your job has become more important than ever. The problem is there's so much uncertainty and noise out in the business world and things are changing so fast. It's hard to know where to go and what tools and resources to use to solve your problems. That's why I recently launched the Talent Development Think Tank community as a central and safe place to access information, ask questions, and talk with other L&D professionals like you so that you can achieve your goals and accelerate your career. Join today to get instant access to our online platform and community of ambitious, helpful talent development professionals who understand your world and can help you solve your problems. Right now, I'm offering 25% off the subscription price to podcast listeners. Just go to talentdevelopmentthinktank.com and use code HOTSEAT for 25% off. 
That's talentdevelopmentthinktank.com and use code HOTSEAT. Thanks, and on to the episode. Well, let's back up, and why don't you share a little bit about your, your background and how you got to where you are today? Yeah, so uh, I came out of college, and I actually did this really uh, phenomenal program called Teach for America, where they take uh, high-performing college students, and they put them in usually uh, high-poverty, low-performing schools. So I had the opportunity to teach at a phenomenal school down in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, where I taught uh, ninth grade world history for a couple of years. So if you want to learn like great facilitation techniques and how to keep uh, an audience energized and engaged, start with ninth graders. Everybody else will be easier. And then I had the opportunity to come work for luck companies as uh, first a values trainer and coach, and then now as their technical training manager. And then through that work, uh, came aware of kind of an opportunity and founded a software, a software as a service company called Atlas Navigator. That's right. Atlas Nav. So let's talk about that. Um, how did all of this come about? Where did this idea come from? Yeah. So we were using this really cool approach at Luck where we were trying to essentially solve a problem that I think a lot of training managers have. And it's where do you prioritize your really limited resources? And so when I got into my role, I wanted to do like a very primitive level kind of training needs analysis. And so I went around the organization and I was asking various managers, you know, what training would be most beneficial to your folks? What are the key business issues or skills that we're really lacking? And I was getting a lot of, you know, we've got a kind of two groups of folks. We've got folks who have been doing this for a really long time and they're pretty skilled and they don't need a ton of attention. We just got to keep them engaged. And then we have a ton of folks who are brand new, one or two years of experience at best, and they don't really know how to do a lot. They're really green. They need a lot of help. So I said, okay, that's great. Like, you know, what skills can I teach them? And they say, no, really, they don't know much. Like anything you can offer them would be helpful. So, but specifically, and they're like, nope, anything. Well, that's not super helpful. So I said, well, you know, I'm a big proponent of learning being self-directed. And so I said, let me go talk to those new folks. And so in talking to a lot of those new folks, I asked them, you know, I hear that you're new. I hear that you're learning. Like what skills would be most beneficial to you? And they go, no, I've been doing this for six months. I think I'm pretty squared away. And I was like, gosh, like what, what an interesting disconnect that sometimes their management thinks they need a ton of help. And the individual thinks they're in a really good spot. And then I actually got to reflecting on that. And I said, you know what? It's interesting because when I was a teacher, you know, in Teach for America, early on, you, you know, you get introduced to your class. And over the course of a day, you'll have 120 ninth graders who are looking up at you. And I remember for the first six months, you're just trying to survive. And you're just trying to stay a couple of pages ahead of them in the book. And you're trying to not openly cry in front of the kids. Like, don't let them win today. At, over the course of six months, you know, you start to build that relationship with the students and you get good at your job. And so by the end of my first year, I remember I won rookie teacher of the year. And I had this moment where I said, you know, what? I figured it out. Teaching, I thought it was hard, right? And then I went to the, the summer and I started watching podcasts and going to conferences and came across what I would call like truly excellent teachers. And I realized that what I thought what I was doing was great, but I really just was aware of this much of what greatness really was. Right. You don't know what you don't know. You don't know what you don't know. Right. And so if you go to someone 
and they're not really aware of what, where they could improve or how they could get better. And you say, what knowledge do you need? How do you, you know, what training do you need? And they're like, I'm good. I'm good. Right. Like I know how to sit here and podcast and ask questions, but if I listen to other podcasts like I do, and I hear people who are expert interviewers, I know I can get better. Yeah. Without that exposure, I would just tell you, no, I'm good, man. I know what I'm doing. Killing it. Right. Okay. And so so how do you help people become aware of what they don't know? Yeah. And so I was fortunate where I got to go on kind of a benchmarking expedition. And I called and reached out to any really capable training manager, director, head of HR that would talk to me. And the thing I love about this field is everybody is so willing to share and help. And I got a ton of support from Caterpillar. And they had one individual who kind of showed me some different ways and really inspired me on this competency-based approach. So I really kind of dug into that. And essentially, through some work with them and some other industry leaders and just doing some research, came up with a process where you use your highest performers in a given role to kind of define that success and what excellence looks like. And then you use that to kind of gauge where your folks are at and then drive their development. Got it. So essentially, you are defining what does success look like? What does great look like in this role by asking everyone around, okay, who is the highest performer here? Who's doing the best job? Yeah. And then now we can look at everyone else and say, well, how are they measuring up to that? Where are they falling short? And therefore, what skills or knowledge do they need? So not judging them and saying, oh, they're not as good, but maybe they don't have all the skills. They don't have quite as much experience. You could even go to that top performer, that great performer and say, how did you get to where you are? What did you learn? What sort of things? You got you, it. How long have you been doing this, right? And then start to build out a curriculum based on that. So is that what you did? Yeah, that's exactly. So I said, now... So I, the other thing that I... If there's something I've learned um, that's a challenge that I've personally faced is you need to go slow to go fast. So I wanted to just roll something out. And I've realized that change management is a huge part of whatever you do. You're going to spend time either building consensus beforehand we're kind of doing damage control after the fact. And so the really cool thing about this approach was by leveraging your top performers in those roles, you're building champions as you go. And then by taking that model and validating it with the subject matter experts, with the key leaders, with the people that might be your challengers or naysayers, you're really going to have credibility when you kind of publish this model. And a lot of people are going to go, you know what, I had a say in that, or I really respect to that high performer. And if he blesses it, I'm going to buy into it. And so we took that model, we created like a custom digital 360. And we went out to folks and we had them rate themselves, had their manager rate them against that rubric. And we also, if there had a peer who was doing a similar role, had them rate them. So I'm getting all this really cool data where I'm able to say, okay, you know, at the skill of communication, this person is a three out of five. And then I say, okay, what are the behaviors that somebody needs to get to be a level four out of five? And I can look across an entire organization and see, okay, if most of my folks are at a level three out of five, that's where I need to spend my limited resources. So it really solves that problem for a training manager on like, where do you need to focus your efforts? Yeah, where do you develop new programs? So oftentimes what, what we'll end up doing or what I see people doing is some executive comes in and says, hey, we need training on 
leadership. Our people are not great leaders or we need training on technical training on how to do this particular process uh, because they observe one or two people that really need help with that. But what you're saying is you look at all the data, 360s across the board, and you can say, yeah, there are a couple of people that need help there, but actually this thing over here is where we need to, where we're going to get the biggest bang for our buck because we have a lot of people who are below average here or average and, and need to be raised up. Yeah, if there's one way you want to win the respect of kind of business leaders, it's when they try to spend money to tackle an issue that they have anecdotal evidence for. Yeah. And you can say, actually, I don't think you need to spend money there because overall we're in a really good spot. And that's just a couple data points. And we can solve those folks. We can provide them some individual development. But as an organization, we don't need that. And here's the data to support that. Right. So, <laughs> and that's, that is true. I mean, that's, that's how you win over hearts and minds, right? Because you're making, you're clearly making strategic decisions. You're using data, um, looking at the KPIs, the things they care about, and winning them over because they're saying, okay, this guy's not just taking budget that we give him. He wants to use it strategically. So can you give me an example or a case study of, of how you use this and, and where this worked? Yeah, so we use this with a group of folks at Luck. And so uh, they have a role called a plant operator. And so we rolled this out in conjunction with a coaching model. So we said, let's pilot it with 20 folks just to see if it works. So we rolled out the 360, had the data for that group. We then designated an individual, a kind of an expert in the field as their coach. And his full-time job became coaching others on their skill gaps. So each individual had their 360s. We sat down with them and their manager and we helped them identify, here's the three to six things we want you to prioritize and work on. And so it's truly personalized learning for each person. Then over the course of six months, we provided them on-the-job coaching. So this coach went to that location and provided specific training on what they were trying to work on. And then we kind of tracked the improvement over time. And I think in a six-month period from 360 to 360, the group average was a 14, close to 15% improvement. So I was able to show over time that the coaching model was working, that this personalized development was actually working and kind of show, I know a lot of training managers are eager to show the impact of training. And that was a really cool way to get after it. Yeah. So what did that impact look like? And what did you bring to the executives to show them this worked? Yeah. So because of the 360 data, I'm able to go to them with the really cool anecdotal evidence, like, you know, the money that our folks are saving because they're doing better maintenance or they're being safer. Or, I mean, I think there's also a really positive impact on engagement because I think there's something to be said for if a company's spending the time to provide you that really individualized training that I think in talking to a lot of colleagues in the industry, that level of personalized training is often only reserved for upper management to have something like a personal coach. So for our folks at Luck, I mean, it's been phenomenal because the guys feel truly special, cared for, developed. And so they are really engaged and loyal to the company. That sounds great. Doesn't that get really expensive to, to provide this personal level of coaching and development to, I mean, to anyone, but oftentimes companies are doing it at the highest levels and not so much at the mid or frontline or individual contributor level. So how, does, how do you make that work? Yeah, so I think there's a couple of approaches. So one of the things I think the benefit of providing the on-the-job, so we had for years pulled folks out of the production to provide that training, whether it's in a classroom or a shop to provide that training, and that's actually taking them out of production. Whereas with this coaching model, I'm able to keep that person 
continuing to produce and often at a higher level because they have an expert work with them helping. So they're faster, they're more efficient. So I'm actually saving production time. Through my work with Atlas, I've talked to a lot of folks where hiring coaches is not an option. So I've seen some folks be really creative around using people that are already there, whether it's managers, right? So you can decentralize the training to the managers, provide them with that tool to provide the really good feedback and training. And it's kind of that guide. So they're not just doing it blind. Or one group we're talking to, they're thinking about taking somebody who's kind of towards the end of their career, who's thinking more about significance than success and what's their legacy going to be. And they've been doing the same thing for the last 15 years. They're kind of looking for something new. So they're going to take that person in two days a week. They're going to be a coach. And the other three days, they'll just do their job. But it's a really cool way to kind of keep somebody engaged towards the end of their career. Yeah, definitely. And also a way to transfer knowledge. And I have had conversations with talent professionals at some big companies in the past year or so where they're wondering, okay, we have all of this. We have these really great employees who have been here for 30 plus years. They're getting ready to retire. They have so much knowledge of how things work at this company. And while things are changing, there's a lot of value they could give to the other employees if we could find a way to you know, pull and share that knowledge. So one of the ways you're saying is to make them a coach a couple days a week. Is there anything else you've seen that works for that? Uh, yeah. So one thing I would say is though, that can work really well and I've seen it work well, but I think an issue is you don't always just want to take the most experienced person yeah. and make them a coach, right? It is a skill set. I was going to say that as well. Okay, good. Yeah. So oftentimes we find the person who's the best equipment operator is the best equipment operator because they like to be in a piece of equipment by themselves all day. <laughs> and does not necessarily make them a great coach of other people. Right. Leave them alone. Yeah. Let them get to work. But there are other folks who have a passion for it, are naturally good at it, or are willing to learn techniques on how to mentor and coach. So I think as training managers and directors, you've got to create programs to teach them that skill of coaching and training. This episode of the Talent Development Hot Seat is sponsored by Advantage Performance Group. Advantage is the first place to call when you need leaders to lead, sellers to sell, and your business to flourish. We specialize in connecting companies with exceptional learning solutions to help them turn strategy into action and get their people doing the best work of their lives. We're also providing tons of great content on a weekly basis. In fact, we recently launched a great webinar series that has been going on weekly with content such as creating a culture of multipliers, gender equity, Liz Weissman's webinar on helping rid the world of bad bosses. We have a new webinar from Brent Snow on decision-making. We have a webinar on multipliers and how to use multipliers during troubled times, calming the storm. We have a webinar from our partner, Julie Winkle Giulioni on developing in place how to continue your growth during remote working. And a webinar from Paul Middleton on the secret sauce for learning in the flow of work plus many more, just head to our website at advantageperformance.com. Click on free resources and you'll find the link to webinars and all of our other insights and resources there. Thanks for listening. And now back to the show. Well, you mentioned Atlas. Let's talk about the work you're doing with other companies. Is it similar? And how does it work? I mean, obviously, I'm honestly, I'm curious. And I think a lot of other people would be curious too, because I talk to a lot of I encounter many people in talent training and development who kind of want to do a little consulting work on the side, but they have a full-time job. So you've got this software you've set up. 
to help other companies with this. And it sounds like Luck is supporting you in working with other companies while you're still doing your job there. Is that fair to say? Yeah. So I'd say the it was Atlas was kind of born out of, as you can imagine, creating all these development plans, creating all these 360s, managing the data kind of becomes like a, it became an animal, a beast that I couldn't keep up with. And if you're any company of size, that quickly becomes not managed. So the approach was really successful, but I quickly realized I wasn't going to be able to do that for 800, 1,000 people. So I needed something. So I went out and looked for a potential vendor. I was like, there's got to be something that I can upload my competency models into. It will let people assess themselves. And then I can preload it with the content that I'm suggesting to folks when they score a level three, a communication out of five. And it just says, if you're a level three, you should go do this. If you're a level four, you should go do this. I think a trend I'm seeing in the industry is gone are the days of kind of rolling out the one size fits all training that really doesn't fit anyone well. I mean, I know I've been asked to put together trainings for folks and they say, you know, teach everybody uh, welding. And, you know, these folks over here have been welding for 25 years. And these folks over here have never touched, you know, any welding equipment. Right. Good luck. Yeah. And so as an instructor, what do you do? You shoot down the middle. These people are bored out of their minds and these people are lost for the whole day. So I said, there's got to be a solution that can kind of personalize that and automate that personalization. And so I knew because I have a full-time job, right? I, I couldn't go start a company you know, off of my, you know, a consulting company. So I said, is there a software solution that can kind of help people with this similar problem? Because I was also aware that a lot of companies have competency models that they've spent a ton of time, money and energy developing Mm -hmm. and they're sitting in a drawer, not being used. And I've also seen a ton of companies who spend a tremendous amount of money on 360 assessments for their folks. And then I think there's this really magical moment at the end of a 360 where people want to do more, learn more, be more. But if they don't know the next step and what they should go do, it can also just go in the drawer. Right. Yeah. So you started looking for this software. And if I remember right from talking to you before, you didn't find it. Couldn't find it. Got super bummed out. I was like, gosh, I'm going to be doing this with like a hodgepodge of systems and forms and paper. And it's going to drive me crazy. And then you know, the uh, light bulb, the entrepreneurial light bulb went off in my head. And I said, you know, maybe there's an opportunity here. And so like you kind of mentioned, I don't have time, but I had the idea and I had the industry knowledge. So I reached out to some folks that I knew were kind of independent consultants and had started kind of their own small venture capital firm. And I said, I've got this idea. I've got the industry knowledge. I think you should go chase this. So they're kind of the drivers behind the day-to-day and do the consulting work and all that. And I just kind of give them the practitioner's mind on kind of the philosophy, the approach, and kind of what the tool needs to look and feel like. Got it. Okay. And how did you get the software developed? Because uh, you're not a programmer and uh, it's not easy to just go develop some software. But you showed it to me a little bit before and it was impressive. So how did you get that done? Yeah. So for all those folks who like think you can just go... I did not do the, you know how to code for dummies and try to figure this out myself. (laughs) It's kind of an entrepreneurial uh, anecdote where we thought we had some, you know, first we just started with friends who were really good coders. And then we realized that it was going to be more complex and complicated than just, you know, a friend working nights and weekends. So we ended up actually putting it out uh, for scope and bid out to a professional development firm. So again, that kind of freed up my time just to 
kind of design and say what I wanted in this product and then professionals could build it out. Got it. Okay. And then you had connected with, you said a friend in, in venture capital. So they were able to raise the money to pay for this developer to go build the software. Yes, sir. Okay. Got it. So where has it gone from there? Yeah. So, so far we're excited because the actual product goes live. So we've been building out this MVP. We've been doing some kind of pilot testing, but uh, Friday is our big day. So we'll have our full-blown product. In the meantime, in order to fully utilize the, the product, you have to have competency models and you've got to have content. So my partners have been working with folks and consulting with folks on how to develop those competency models, kind of following our kind of structured approach so that when the tool is ready, they can plug their stuff in and start rolling it out. Okay, well, so the software is actually going live very soon and it'll be a few weeks before this episode airs. So by the time anyone is listening to this, the software should be live and available. Who is this for? If someone's listening, thinking, I wonder if, if this would work for me, who's a good candidate to leverage this software in their organization? Yeah, so I would say kind of our ideal, right, when I think about who would use this, anyone who is trying to personalize learning at scale. So if you've got five or six folks, right, you can probably manage that. Even if you've got less than 50, 80, 100, you can probably do that with your Excel sheets and your paper 360s and things like that. But I would say anyone in a large organization who's trying to shift from a kind of compliance or role-based, everybody must do every bit of this training and wants to truly figure out what training their folks need and then provide a personalized experience and then wants to use data to drive their kind of training, training vision, I'd say they're an ideal candidate. Got it. Okay, great. Switching gears here a little bit, as you've gone through this journey and you have been developing uh, what you've been doing at Luck and overall, what's been your proudest accomplishment so far? Friday will be a really proud day. Yeah. I'll be really excited to see it. It's, you know, I come from a family of uh, crane operators. So one thing I've always been really jealous of is I can go home to New York or New Jersey and I can see what they've built. They can point to buildings and say like, that's my thing. So I think there's a special pride that comes with Atlas on like, this is my thing. This is something that we've built. And I think it'll provide a tremendous amount of value. And I think about my personal purpose of helping ordinary people live extraordinary lives. I mean, I think the thing that drove me to Teach for America is just helping people who may not have opportunity have that opportunity. And I think this tool will help them. It'll help folks that aren't in the C-suite get personalized development like they never have. I like it. Okay, great. Flip side, what's been your biggest failure or mistake along the way? Yeah, so I, like I kind of mentioned earlier was uh, I like to go fast. I am from New York originally, so we like <laughs> to kind of clip along. Yeah. And I have many times in the past gotten myself in trouble where I think I have a really a good idea. I put together a strategy. I put together a project plan and I'm off and running. And I can leave kind of key stakeholders behind me. And that can lead to a tremendous amount of frustration and stress and un, unnecessary stress on folks. So if there's one thing I've learned, it's just the need, the need to build consensus and momentum as you go. Yeah, slow down and bring people with you, influence others, build that momentum, get key stakeholders and influencers and executives on, on board before you start charging ahead. And everyone's like, where's that guy going? What's he doing? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Got it. 
What's been your biggest challenge with all of this? Or what is the challenge today that would get in the way of uh, companies implementing this? I'd say it's really easy to go buy a comp, right? You can go on Google right now and download a competency for any role. And we've talked, or it's really easy for your HR department to get in a room with maybe one or two managers and craft one. I think the problem then becomes the rollout, right? It is that change management. So I've just seen folks struggle with, they put a bunch of time and energy into developing this kind of in a silo and they can't get buy-in now. They can't roll it out. And the people in the role saying, how are you going to tell me how to do my role better than I know how to do my role? And so the number one challenge I've seen folks run into is trying to take the kind of off the shelf and try to make it work versus going through that exercise of really using your stakeholders to build the model. Got it. Okay, great. As you've been building this out and you've been talking to a lot of other HR people across different companies, industries, what's another big trend that you've been noticing in how people are doing work or doing talent development? Yeah, so I think depending on the industry I'm speaking to, so I speak to a lot of folks kind of in the skilled trades. And I think one is there's just, it's becoming harder to find folks who have those skilled trades. And then when you find folks that are willing to do the work, they don't necessarily bring the skills that they used to. They didn't grow up on the farm fixing the tractor, right? They don't know how to tear apart a diesel engine. So it's almost knowing as an organization that you're going to have to upskill those folks. You're going to have to build that training function in-house. And then another one is I just think the, the new generation almost expects and demands this very personalized, instant, I need it to meet my needs. You know, you'll learn it over time. They expect development, they expect a path, they expect personalization and coaching, and they want to know where they're going with their career. So I'm hearing this all the time. And it's not that other generations didn't necessarily want these things. They weren't just weren't nearly as vocal about it as the yeah. as the younger generation, right? And so this is allowing them to to personalize companies to personalize that more and, and give those younger employees what they want. Yeah, I think you hit it on the head earlier where I was talking to a CEO and I asked him like, what's your pain point? Like, what are you trying to... And he said, Scott, the thing that keeps me up at night is if we've got a tremendous amount of experience. And I know, you know, in the next six years, they had something crazy, like 1,200 years of experience was going to walk out the door. And he goes, it terrifies me to think like, what are the things that we're not going to document or know? How are we not going to successfully transfer a generation's worth of knowledge to this next generation? And how do you solve that? Uh, yeah. And there's a lot of things companies can do with mentorship and coaching and uh, some of the stuff you're doing. Another idea that has come up that a couple of people have come and talked to me about is starting an internal podcast and interviewing many of those experienced people Yeah, uh, and sharing that knowledge that way with, with younger employees. Um, I'm working with a couple, a couple people right now have come to me about uh, helping them start a podcast internally with their company. An intern? That's so cool. Yeah. I have a couple clients that are already doing it. And um, some other people that are thinking about it. If you're someone that's been thinking about it, feel free to reach out to me. I love helping people get that stuff started. I don't think I'd be nearly as good as you at this. So, well, who knows, right? But I, I do get that a lot that I am very good at the interviewing and it's, it's a skill I've been working on and developed. So it, it's a place where maybe I can add some value to other companies uh, as well. Podcasting is just one way that we can learn. Uh, I also do a lot of reading as well. Yeah. And I usually ask my guests, do you have? 
uh, a book recommendation or maybe a TED talk that you often recommend or has made a big impact for you? Yeah, so I think the the biggest one, I think, uh, is a very popular Simon Sinek start with the why in terms of a TED talk. One book that I know has been really influential, which is coincidental because it's called uh, The Principles of Influence by uh, Dr. Cialdini. And I think sometimes as training professionals, we forget that it is so important to kind of influence and lead up because we can put together the best content in the world. But if we don't market it well and convince people of the value of it, we're going to have really great content that sits on the shelves. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, like you said, best content, the best product, the best whatever it is, you've got to market it, you've got to sell it, you've got to influence other people to get on board. Uh, The thing that you developed, you talked about earlier, you had to influence the key stakeholders, those top performers to get on board, to be supportive, to be champions, uh, so that other people were willing to give it a shot and do this. Otherwise, nothing ever happens with it. And any other company that goes to implement this, they're going to have the same thing. They're going to need those those champions to get on board. They're going to need those influencers. And I just recorded... I offer a, a program on influence called Influence Inside. And it's related to some of the topics that you read about in that book. And I just recorded a a podcast episode about that as well because I think it's so important whether you are an external consultant like me yeah. or you're working in a large organization, you need to people to, to back the projects you're working on. You've got to have that ability to go out and influence. Well, the number one reason a lot of folks are talking to us about utilizing Atlas is they have an LMS full of content that people aren't utilizing. I said, would connecting their 360 results to content that a lot of folks already have. Great content. Yeah. So we're just trying to act as the bridge to say, if you're here, this con- let me just make you aware of this content that your organization's already offering. Again, going back to what we talked about at the beginning of this interview, people are not aware of the development they need. So all that content is there, but they're not going and looking for it because they're not sitting there at work going, man, I really need to get better at influence. (laughs) I really need to get better at welding. I think I'm pretty good already. Like, I don't know. I don't look around to see how fast other people are doing it or how good they are. And until someone raises that awareness, you don't know to go look for that training. You're so right. Awesome. Well, uh, last question I'll ask you, Scott, for anyone listening who is in training or development and um, they're looking for ways to you know, more personalized learning and get their people utilizing those resources more. Aside from going out and checking out your software, which I hope they do, uh, what's one more piece of advice you'd give to people to help them be more successful in their roles? Yeah, the best piece of advice I think I can give is go out. Like I think it's really easy. A lot of training functions aren't large. So you get really stuck in your silo, just bouncing off ideas with yourself. So go out, read books, listen to podcasts, and then just go talk to other Join your local training ATD or whatever chapter there is for you and just go talk to folks. I think you'd be amazed that a lot of the people in this role are in a role like this because they love to help people learn and grow and they're really willing to share. I know I'm 10 years ahead of where I would have been if I hadn't done that kind of benchmarking expedition and learned from people that are far more knowledgeable and intelligent than myself. Love it. And uh, I'm a big fan of learning and networking and connecting. Uh, as you know, we got connected through through networking and through yeah. a, a conference I went to. And uh, that's a big reason why I'm hosting my first conference later this year, the Talent Development Think Tank, which is going to be all about connecting talent development professionals with each other, helping them build a network, learn more about the trends and things that are going on, benchmarking and help people solve real challenges like this. So for anybody listening that wants to find out more about that, 
you can go to talentdevelopmentthinktank.com. Scott, for anyone listening who wants to find out more about Atlas and what you're doing and maybe check out the software, what's the best place for them to go for that? Yeah, uh, www.atlasnav.us. Atlasnav.us. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. Scott, this has been awesome. Uh, Really cool what you've been doing there. I appreciate you coming on to share some of your experience and stories and advice. And uh, so thanks again for coming on the Talent Development Hot Seat. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Andy. You got it, man. Take care. You too. If you're looking for a place to connect with colleagues and peers from your industry and find out what other people in talent development are working on, you need to check out the brand new Talent Development Think Tank membership community. Inside, we have members from companies all over the world who are working on all different things in talent development and sharing what's been working, what's been not working, and answering each other's questions so we can all get our jobs done more effectively and be more successful in our careers. If you'd like to join us, we'd love to have you. Just head on over to tdtt.us slash community, and you can use code HOTSEAT for 25% off your subscription. That's tdtt.us slash community and use code HOTSEAT for a limited time for 25% off your subscription. If you have any questions, reach out to me and let me know and we'll see you there. Thanks for listening to the Talent Development Hot Seat. If you got value out of this show, please subscribe, leave a review and share with your colleagues and friends. We want to spread the word and add as much value to the talent development community as possible. And we need your help. As always, you can find more information and connect with me at talentdevelopmenthotseat.com. Take care.